How would you react to a monkey in your backyard? How about 43,000 of them? Plus, how did Mayor Whitmire's first week go? And the college football playoff final is here in H-Town, and you gotta check out these free events. Zach Emmons of the Houston 2024 CFP Host Committee and Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz join me to break down these stories and more. It's Friday, January 5th, 2024. I'm Rahil Ramzanli, and here's what Houston's talking about. Okay, I'm excited to ask you all this because you two are my final guests that I can ask this question to since I guess it's only allowed for the first week. What are your goals for the new year, Zach, Evan? Zach, why don't you kick us off? What's your goal? Oh, man, uh, Rahil, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, my goal, honestly... So I started my own uh, little PR business about a, a year ago, and uh, my goal for 2024 is really just to pour as much as myself as I can into that, um, build that little business, get that on safe footing, and then spend as much time with my son as possible. I've got a two and a half year old, and uh, want to spend as much time as I can just watching him grow up. Oh, that's the best! That's, that's such sweet. a good goal right there. <laughs> Top that, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm in I'm in a, a troubling situation where I feel like all of my New Year's resolutions, like I've done, like uh, two years ago, my resolution was to floss more. I'm doing that. Um, my resolution was to work out more. I started doing that in October, and I've been pretty consistent. So I think like going forward for the next year, I'm going to take the opposite position. Uh, I'm going to spend more time at work. I'm going to work harder. Go. It's going to be a big like professional year. I'm really going to like try to raise my own standards at my desk. My kids are doing fine. Like I'll, I'll keep watching them. Yeah, that's <laughs> good right there. At least you're honest, right? Because a lot of people will be like, no, I want to spend even more time with a kid. As somebody who works from home and I spend a lot of time with my kids, like literally every minute, I want to spend less time with them. See, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. And Evan, I'm I'm jealous of you. I've I've been so locked in on on this college football playoff, mm -hmm. you know, building it up, getting everything ready. I've completely neglected everything, you know, my my health, my exercise, everything like that. So that's probably another one for me is that I need to get back in shape. I, I got on the scale this morning. It was not anywhere close to where I want it to be. So um, that'll be a not a New Year's resolution. We'll call it a February resolution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. You just got to like be realistic on your framing of it. it nothing's going to happen yeah. until like this football game happens. It's over. You get your life back. Exactly. That's it. So let's start with our biggest stories of the week. And Zach, you can kick us off on this one because I think you kind of hinted at it already. What is your biggest story? I mean, without question for me, it's, it's the, the college football playoff national championship coming to Houston. You know, uh, Monday night, uh, Michigan versus Washington is going to be the, the best defense in the country taking on the best offense in the country. It's the first time Houston's ever hosted the, the football national championship. We've had three Super Bowls. We've had three Final Fours. Uh, but we've never had football's, college football's national championship. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for the city. And, you know, beyond that, I mean, certainly the game's going to be phenomenal. But I want to make sure that the city – Everybody in the city feels the opportunity to be a part of it. Even if you don't have a ticket to the game, that you can still be a part of the event through you know the free events at the at the George R. Brown Convention Center Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, you know, Playoff Fan Central, which is basically a, a giant college football theme park, if you will. You know, free concerts at Shell Energy Stadium every night this weekend. Um, that, that you know, hopefully. You know, the whole city comes out as a part of it and creates a memory as a part of it, whether you go to the game or not, whether you're a football fan or not, honestly. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I am upset about with the college football playoff final is that you guys couldn't get Texas in here. OK, <laughs> <laughs> look, Texas, Michigan would have been an incredible matchup. Now, tickets would have been a lot harder to get. OK, mm -hmm. because the, the Texas base here is huge. But even despite Texas not being here. 
What's the economic impact going to be from this weekend alone, Zach? I mean, it's still yet to be determined a little bit, but we're projecting it to be probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to $200 million uh, wow. when it's all said and done. Um, you know, one of the, and you know, Raheel, you know this, I'm, I'm a Texas grad, so um, I have to take my personal hat off and put, put my professional <laughs> mindset on it. But, you know, Washington is going to bring a, a ton of alumni into town. Um, so hotel rooms, uh, flights into town. I have a friend from Seattle that said that uh, every flight from Seattle to Houston was booked solid and Delta's adding additional uh, routes to try and take care of the demand. So you're going to see a ton of purple and gold, ton of maize and blue around town, spending their money, buy, you know, going out to dinner, going to bars, buying merchandise, all that stuff. So the economic impact is going to be through the roof. Oh, I know you're happy about that, Evan. Oh, yeah. I, I Listen, anything that's good for Houston is good in my book. And, and I think that this idea of having winter time sports events in Houston should become a regular thing because the weather's great. Like people are going to be coming down from Washington where it's cold and dreary and yuck, and they're going to come to Houston where it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of nice out, you know? Like let's make the whole nation realize that when it's like December, January, February, come to Houston. You'll have a good time. Absolutely. And that, that's the thing. Like, you know, Houston, I think, kind of gets overlooked as a, as a tourist destination, as a, as a just as a metro area. And this is another opportunity for us to shine and show the whole, whole, the, the whole country, the whole world what we're capable of, what what's so great about it. And uh, I'm, that's what I really enjoy about, about the job I have is getting the opportunity to kind of promote and sell the city as much as anything and show them how great this place is. And Zach, the cool thing about this is, yeah, it's the next four days of events and really awesome stuff. But you guys have been working on this for what seems like a decade, I swear. Every time I've talked to you, it's like, hey, yeah, we're working on this. <laughs> There's a lot of work that went into this. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually started 2016, I think, officially. Um, and it's funny that they, they were telling me the story. I started back in December of last year, but uh, the, the sports authority folks were telling me that what sold the CFP on coming to Houston was they came in for the 2017 Super Bowl. And it wasn't the stadium, which is obviously phenomenal. It wasn't the airports, which are, which are outstanding. It was when the executive director of the CFP went to Discovery Green and saw all of the local people, all the, the, all the people out there at the Fan Fest and how much the city shows up for events like this that sold them like, Houston, we need to come to Houston. And then it took, you know, seven more years to get it here because of the scheduling and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's been a long time coming. It's been a, a, a big project for the, the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. Um, and it's exciting to see it here finally. Yeah, I can't wait, man. What a culmination of all y'all's hard work. And it's going to be Monday night, Michigan against Washington. Oh, still hurts saying it. I wish it was Michigan <laughs> versus Texas, but it's going to be a blast. The final college football playoff championship ever before it goes to the next format which is going to be the 12 team playoff that's gonna be a lot of fun i've linked uh, all the information all the events in our show notes and you can find that evan what is your biggest story of the week oh the biggest story of the week is that senator whitmire is now mayor whitmire he has been inaugurated he gave his inaugural speech i gotta say not exactly a soaring piece of rhetoric we don't have cicero in city hall but it's a very straightforward agenda of what he wants to do. He was talking about better integration of services with the county, which is, I think is something that we've been needing to do for a long time. He gave a shout out to longtime uh, county commissioner Squatty Lyons, who served from 1943 to 1990. Any sort of deep cut like that makes my heart swell. He shot an arrow across the bow of Metro saying that they needed to pay more for road maintenance. 
Uh, Metro already pays for road maintenance. Part of their funding goes to local governments to help out with roads, but he wants more. I think there's going to be some controversy there. And he played up public safety. The first thing he did as mayor was to go on a ride along with law enforcement. Uh, and it's made it clear that this is going to be his number one agenda. But I would remind him that Mayor Bob Lanier did the same thing back in the 90s. And towards the end of the tenure, the Houston Chronicle had a great article laying out just how much money Houston spent on more police hours and compared it to Dallas, which did not have an expansion of police hours. And they saw their crime rate go down by the exact same amount. You want to keep your eye focused on evidence-based policy. You want to make sure that the places you're spending money actually work and don't just make good headlines because every dollar spent on something ineffective is a dollar that could have been spent on something else. Now, I'm going to jump in and tag team your biggest story with mine, because one of the big things that Mayor Whitmire is focusing on is getting this new firefighters pay raise uh, done with the union. And the long term court feud between the city and the firefighters union ended after seven years when Mayor Whitmire said, quote, it is time for the city to remove itself from the court process as much as possible and focus on resolving this long-standing dispute as fairly and quickly as possible. Now, the Houston firefighters have been working without a contract for seven years after former Mayor Sylvester Turner steadily fought demands for higher firefighter wages through a citywide referendum and a long-running court battle. Now, the issue here is, Evan, that the city is facing a roughly $250 million deficit with the fe federal COVID era funds drive up so that's gonna put city controller chris hollins in a lot of trouble and a lot of long hours because he has to figure this out if we're gonna get this new contract done we got to get uh the new expansion done at bush airport there are a lot of different things going on with not only mayor turner but also with city controller chris hollins thoughts Raheel, you must be reading my mind because I have been going crazy over this. How can you balance the budget when the big thing you want to do is hire more police officers and pay firefighters more? Already, public safety is where the bulk of our taxpayer dollars go, and you want to grow that even further. It's a real challenge. I really think the city made a mistake years ago when the firefighter pay increase referenda went on the ballot. The city should have said, if you want to pay firefighters more, here is a uh, agenda to raise the revenue cap and collect more taxpayer dollars to pay for it. But the city just kind of fought it rather than kind of providing its own escape route. And here we are now. You got to find a way to pay for these things. And you can't nibble around the edges on a budget. It's not going to be small things here or there. You're going to need to make either significant cuts probably to health care costs. We already did a good job of getting at those pensions under Turner. But you need to find new revenue sources too. Houston is the only major city in Texas that doesn't have a garbage fee to pay for garbage services. And also we have the opportunity to try to raise that revenue cap. Man, it might be time to host a national championship game every month now, Zach. We've got to find some money here. I mean, I'm, I'm just the sports guy in the room here, so I feel out of my depth. But I think... You know, we we bid on the the World Baseball Classic in twenty six. We got the World Cup coming in twenty six. So we're we'll see what we can do to get some more events in town. But I, I think you know, Evan, you're, you're spot on. I think it, it's and that's always the challenge for politicians is how do you how do you pay for the things that are that are important and then balance that with the the sacrifices that somebody's going to have to make. Whether that's somebody losing part of their budget, mm -hmm. um, asking the taxpayers to pay more. Um, it, it, it's not an easy solution. I don't envy Mayor Whitmire from that standpoint. One thing I'm excited about or excited to see is it does seem like he's 
really taking a pragmatic approach to it. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's his what his focus on you, even to the point of his first action being a ride along with the with HPD, uh, like you talked about, you know, getting out of the the lawsuit with, with Houston Fire, um, that his focus seems to be on results and finding practical solutions. And I hope hopefully for all of our sake and certainly for his that he's able to be successful with that. Yep. And that's the big question is, can he be successful, right? You can do and say what you want, but when it comes down to when we look at it a year from now, two years, three years, four years from now, we go, hey, actually got stuff done. That's going to be the big result. Will he get stuff done? Okay, Zach, let's go to your most overlooked story of the week. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Raheel. I've been so locked in on on everything with the game that probably every story is overlooked for me right yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, but but one that I'll call out, and uh, you know, I saw it in the Chronicle, and I think it, it doesn't get as much attention as it probably deserves. Is is the Ted Cruz curse? I think this is something we need, we need to talk about. Yes, you know, uh, he went he went to every Astros home game in the in the ALCS. They lost every game. He went to a Rangers home game in the World Series. They lost that game. He was at the Sugar Bowl. Texas lost. He was at the national championship game that Texas Tech played in. The thing that I, I don't I don't say that to 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 speak ill about Senator Cruz. I think we're missing an opportunity here to weaponize this and use this <laughs> unique gift that our senator has. He needs to be in Indianapolis on Saturday night wearing a Colts jersey. He needs to be in San Francisco wearing a San Francisco 49ers jersey and take care of the Cowboys. We need to use this to our advantage instead of complaining about it. Yeah. Why can't we do that? Look, now, Senator Ted Cruz did not go to Texas, okay? I get it when you show up to the Astros games, you live here, okay? You show up to a Dallas game, fine, you represent the state, whatever, that's fine, all right? But when it comes to collegiate teams, like, if you didn't go to that school, stop wearing the colors. I don't care if you're representing the state. I can't stand that. And that, just, I was like, oh, please stop. It's already annoying, but... You didn't even go there. Come on. I think it's an opportunity for for his staff too. Like that, you have to know that it, that people are seeing this, and your constituents are yeah. seeing this, and they're they're rolling their eyes. Use it to your advantage. Play into it. Show up at a you know the next time a, a Texas team, whether let's say Baylor's in the national championship for basketball, show up in the other team's gear and make a thing out of it and have yeah. some fun with it. Let's it's let's, like let's take curse. the scientific yeah. method to it. Let's find out. Let's he's the constant. Let's see what our variables are. We need to change here. <laughs> That would be good, right, Evan? No, I think that's a brilliant idea. That's the smartest take I've seen yet on it. I mean, I mean, you know, Burt Orange isn't too different from Princeton Orange. You don't see the guy going to a lot of Princeton yeah. basketball games. Uh, maybe we got to tell him like, yeah, hey, let's figure this out. Let's get you in a uniform for the opposing team and see what happens. Good. Let's use that curse <laughs> to our advantage as opposed to hurting us every single time he shows up. And, <laughs> oh, man. I was, you know, as soon as I saw him show up and the picture started circulating, I was like, why... Was there not a flight to Cancun available? Can we not get him over there? Like, is there not a direct flight for, for Southwest Airlines? Can we get him there instead? But nonetheless, you know what? He didn't throw that final ball to uh, AD Mitch. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But still, he shouldn't have been there. <laughs> Evan, what was your most overlooked story? My most overlooked story. First, for a second, let me ask you: How would you feel if your neighbor got a pet monkey? Maybe be kind of curious, maybe a little concerned. You know, wondering what's going on over there. Now, how would you feel if your neighbor got 43,000 monkeys? Because right now, right now in Brazoria County, a biomedical research firm has bought up about 500 acres of land to host a bunch of test monkeys. You know, the monkeys that are used to do medical tests on. And the neighbors in Brazoria County are not happy. 
They're worried how it'll affect their property values. They're worried the monkeys might spread disease or how they clean up the dead animals. They're also worried about how flooding might impact this because Brazoria County's got a lot of floodlands. Since the end of the year, PETA has started opposing it in the county. The county commissioner's court has passed a resolution asking state and federal agencies to deny the permits. The city of Sweeney in Brazoria County has written in opposition. The state rep has opposed it. And Randy Weber, too, the congressman for the district, has had some reservations. But right now, there's a lot of demand for research monkeys. There's a lot of biomedical research going on, and we need monkeys to figure out what works. But so far, the plan has been put on hold as the company has decided to work closer with the community, address concerns, assess the flood risks, and make sure that everybody's happy about having 43,000 monkeys as their neighbors. Wow. I was not prepared to hear about 43,000 monkeys today. I'll just be honest with you. (laughs) That is nuts. No, I mean, it's not nuts. It's bananas. Hey, there you go. There it is. So what do you think ends up happening with this? Do you think they just go with like 20,000 monkeys or do they scrap this whole project in general? What's an acceptable number of monkeys? Like if, yeah, what if, is if it? One, if one is cute, 43,000 is too many, there's a lot of gray area in between there. There's got to be some middle ground of like a reasonably acceptable number of monkeys to have as your neighbor. Uh, but I feel like that this is one of those sort of NIMBY issues. We need research monkeys. They need to be somewhere. Texas makes it easy to do development, and we've got a lot of open land. We also have a lot of biomedical facilities here. We've got the medical center. We've got top universities. You know, I feel like there's some sort of pitch to be made saying that if you want to have some growth industries in the region, if you're concerned about diversifying away from oil and gas looking forward over the next couple decades, you're going to need your monkeys. Yeah, I think there, there's there's opportunity there too. You know, beyond that, and, and I'm, I'm certainly joking here, but you know, you take them and use the uh, the old theory of ten thousand monkeys typing into typewriter would eventually recreate <laughs> Shakespeare's work. Like, can we put them? Can we create some multiple uses here? No, but there is concern. Like, if, if it you look back at Harvey when it flooded so badly, and you had um, horses and cattle and livestock mm-hmm. that, that got out and they yeah. were roaming. Like, if that happens again, to your point, Evan, like, do we have you know flood monkeys all over Brazoria County? That it, it could be a concern for sure. Um, but yeah. I think you're. You know, on a serious note, certainly it is the uh, the NIMBY issue, even going back to the things that we were talking about with Mayor Whitmire. It's always kind of comes back to, to you know, whose ox is being gored. It's a great mm-hmm. idea. It needs to happen. But where do you do it? Oh, absolutely. I can't wait for this region to be known as the monkey region. Like that, <laughs> we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we're. I mean, you're right. Look, everything is here. So the, the energy capital of the world. Why not monkeys? Yeah. Yeah. No, if you got cows, you got horses, you got pigs and chickens, just add monkeys to the list. Let's just make that like an acceptable <laughs> animal to have like in terms of livestock. Let's do like a little cultural shift. Can we integrate the monkeys into into the rodeo maybe? Like Ooh. the you know, monkeys riding dogs is like one of the events. Yeah. Right, right alongside the chug wagon races or something. There you go. Look, we're an ideas podcast here. Yeah, That's let's bring it in. Here. Yeah, biomedical monkeys riding goats <laughs> would be would be a hell of a spectacle at the rodeo. Okay, my most overlooked story. Now, I love a good list here on CityCast Houston. In fact, I've got one coming up for you. But oh boy, did one list cause an uproar out here in the suburbs when New York City-based website Property Club listed Sugarland as the ninth most dangerous neighborhood in Houston. Yes, Sugarland yeah. is 
by the way, not a neighborhood in Houston. It is a suburb of Houston. Now, that was one of the big errors, but they also got facts wrong, like just the median income, where they listed it around 42,000, when it's really around 120,000. Now, the best part about all of this, Property Club actually released a list three months ago stating Sugarland as the fifth safest area in Houston. So there you go. Like all these lists that are out there, I know they're great for fodder and they're great to discuss and all that stuff, but you guys gotta, look, you gotta stay consistent, Property Club. Is Sugarland dangerous or is it safe? Come on, let's figure this out. Or is the real story the the rapid and shocking decline of quality of life in Sugarland? Yeah, <laughs> man. Now, of course, Fort Bend County officials, Sugarland city officials, they were like, "Wait, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We are not that dangerous. What are you talking about, Property Club?" But hey, I, look, it, it was a busy day in tourism out in Sugarland, and they actually <laughs> said in this story that you got great stuff to do in Sugarland, like the Children's Museum and this and that but it's not a great place to raise your kids. <laughs> and it's like, wow. I've got to wonder if this is one of those stories written by AI. We're just kind of scrape some data. There's yeah. no human eyes on it to do a basic fact check. Not to say that there aren't safety issues in Sugarland. I mean, getting stuck in traffic, that's dangerous. Like, you got to look out for that. Yeah, even if it was AI written, Evan, AI could have figured out that Sugarland is two words, not one. <laughs> and that was like the biggest thing on that story. Like, wait, hold on, guys, come on, Sugarland. So, yeah, I found that really funny and overlooked, but I think everyone's okay in Sugarland. Things will be fine, city officials. Everyone still loves you. You're not a dangerous place. Eh, clean up crime, maybe. Everyone can. It's all good. We'll figure it out. Okay, let's get to our moment of joy. Let's wrap things up over here. Zach, what is your moment of joy? Oh my gosh! Um, I, I was one second away from my moment of joy being uh, being my Texas Longhorns making it to the national championship game. So I had to I had to pivot there. I think my moment of joy really has been this entire week. To be honest with you, you know, Houston's my adopted hometown. I'm in a lucky position to get to promote the city and getting the opportunity to see the eyes of the the whole country and and uh, the eyes of the world in a lot of cases turn to our city and and put our best foot forward um, has has made it a lot of fun this week. And I'm excited about, you know, the next three days and what the national championship game is going to look like. So it's, yeah, as a professional, this is the, this is what I live for. And it's so much fun. So there are a lot of events coming up, kids bop concert coming up. You've got Jack Harlow. You've got the country day concerts as well on Sunday. You've got the taste of the championship on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Which event are you looking forward to the most? I mean, personally, the taste of the championship. It's, you know, it's 35 of the best restaurants in the city. The restaurant list was put together by Chris Shepard. It's everything from, uh, you know, crawfish and noodles and uh, Colt Devar, uh, Navy Blue, Little's Oyster Bar, some of the best restaurants in the city, down to like old school favorites like Nymphas on Navigation, Frenchie's, Burger Bodega, Brennan's, um, three of the best barbecue joints in the city, you know, all in one room, all serving their dishes. Like if, if you like food in Houston, you there's no reason you wouldn't want to be at that it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun oh man that sounds great now i'm getting hungry thanks zach appreciate it <laughs> appreciate it friday morning hunger setting in right now appreciate exactly it. that's gonna be a lot of fun man take take the thanksgiving approach eat light eat light go on sunday night and, and pig out yeah that sounds like a good plan right there man zach that is gonna be so much fun evan how about you what's your moment of joy oh my moment of joy and zach already gave a shout out to it 
is news that Houston is bidding on the World Baseball Classic for 2026. I mean, Houston is lining up to be the international city for sports in 2026, the same year we're hosting the World Cup. And I'm just really excited to bring those international audiences and baseball to Houston. But we've got a few questions. Is the Minute Maid Entertainment District going to be done in time? They're building a lot of new bars, hotels in the area. You know, we've gone a few years to finish that up. Also, the I-45 work. I mean, that's not scheduled to be done until the 2040s. How are folks going to get around there if you've got a whole construction site in the middle of our baseball district? So I hope that the city, county, TxDOT are really keeping their eyes on these big events coming to downtown. That's a huge Ooh, point. That's a really good, yeah, that's a really yeah. good concern. I mean, kind of goes back to, again, you know, the, the whole NIMBY issue. Like, it, this is a great idea. It's probably needed. Can we kick the can down the road for four more years or two more years now? Yeah. Or can they, you know, start if they're going to do I-45 work and I've got my concerns about it. But, you know, we got to make sure that this area right through downtown is at least going to be done really quickly or after the event, because the right. whole plan has TxDOT putting it below grade, putting it out of sight, out of mind, creating the opportunity for cat parks going over it, which could be really great. But I don't think we're going to get it done by 2026. No, there's no way it's going to be done by 2026. But it would be fun to see Team USA hit home runs out of Minute Maid Park and hit construction workers. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be the most Houston thing ever. Oh, yeah. I want to see a guy in an excavator with like a bright orange vest and a baseball glove, like hoping to catch some dingers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I told you I love lists of my moment of joy. Look, we're known to be a friendly city around here, despite the road rage. But Kingwood was actually named the second most friendly neighborhood in the USA by All Star Home. The website looked at reviews and how often customers used the term friendly. And in Kingwood, a lot of people use the term friendly when reviewing businesses around the area at a rate of 18.75%. Now, around the city, Memorial came in at number 44. A-Leaf came in at 45. Montrose was 67th in the nation, while Uptown came in at 194th. So a lot of friendly neighborhoods here, but Kingwood being the biggest one, uh, shout out to them. They are really friendly up in Kingwood. And I, th I think it's it's not you just made it. It's not just Kingwood. It's the whole area. You know, the, the, this city. It's a that's what makes it so great to live here is the people and how how friendly everyone is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you talked about A Leaf. I spent a lot of time down in A Leaf the, the last few months uh, for work, and the, everybody there has a smile on their face and so happy to talk to you and, and excited about whatever is going on. It's you know the city is great, and I think I just worry that hopefully Kingwood doesn't have a story coming out in three months about like the most jerks in the in a neighborhood. <laughs> hopefully, they don't have the same fate as Sugarland here. Yep, that website's going to be a Kingwood named the fourth <laughs> worst city for rude people. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end it, Zach. Good luck this weekend. We're so excited and so grateful for what the college football playoff national championship is going to provide to the city, man. Awesome work. Can't wait to see it all unfold. Evan, great stuff as always. Talk to you guys down the road. Ciao with you all next time. Appreciate it, Rahil. Thank you, guys. That was Evan Mintz and Zach Emmons. You can find all the events surrounding the college football playoff final and the stories we discussed in our show notes. That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our executive producer is Dina Kespa. Our producers are Carleon Jones, Lizzie Goldsmith, and AK Al Momin. Our newsletter editors are Brooke Lewis and Natalia Aldana. And the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. 
Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at the biggest stories in education around the greater Houston area. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. 